Praise God. Well, if you all need the notes, did you all get the notes coming in? If you don't have a copy of the notes, lift your hand and our ushers will get that to you. It's also online. Um, QR code, whatever that is, I know that it's a thing that happens. Um, uh, so I've not really stepped out in it in doing that yet, but... Uh, but I know, I, as you were praying, Pastor Nate, I was just thinking how this parking lot, it's so, it's so neat how there's a church right next door to us called Hope Rock Church, and they're meeting, worshiping the Lord, even as we're in here, and we're all one family in the body of Christ. And I would, they, some of them came to our prayer set on Friday, and I said, you know, even though there's like a wall between us, there's no wall between us. Yeah between the churches, and then, and then I said, and that's called a firewall back there, but um, I said, well, there's no wall, but let's have the fi- a wall of fire around this whole parking lot, yeah. where people who aren't even here for church, the, the Holy Spirit will just convict them, and touch them, and move in their hearts, and as we do that, let's pray the Lord does that with us as well, so Father, we thank you, how you love to redeem things uh, and places, even as the land of Goshen in Israel was a place where the Israelites could be protected from the plagues. Lord, I thank you for just your presence in this parking lot and in these gatherings of believers. Would you have your way in this territory to draw hearts to you? And Lord, I stand in line. I get in line for it. Well, maybe I should be last, but Lord, I'm in line saying, Lord, would you draw my heart into your heart today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In fact, this morning I asked the Holy Spirit what was on His heart for us today, and uh, because it's always good to ask Him, right? What's 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 burning in you? And and in, in, you know, almost immediately the fra- the verse came in or the phrase came in my heart. I'm escorting people, and it was a really beautiful picture, like an escort, you know, escorting someone in a wedding down the aisle, you know. Uh, Jesus, it says, he said, I, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So it's a really precious picture of the Lord wants to escort us, if we're willing, to let him take us into his heart today, into what we need from him. Some of you have already stepped into that. Even in our worship today, I felt like the, 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 the spiritual atmosphere was being cleared out by the corporate hunger. And present. So let's really go for it and take advantage and receive what God has for us today. As I was praying about what was on his heart for us today for this message time of the word uh, a few weeks ago, I said, what's, what's on your heart? I mean, I'm, I don't try to just come up with a message. I say, Lord, what's on your heart? So I, I, it's always better to ask him so I can step into what is on his heart. And almost immediately, this phrase came into my mind, he's alive, now I'm alive. He's alive, now I'm alive. And that I knew immediately that was from a song from the prayer room from International House of Prayer. It was written by, it was a long, a long time ago, I don't know what year, but it was written by Corey Asbury and Laura Hackett Park. We sang it at the beginning today, he's alive. And so that phrase comes from that song, He's alive, now I'm alive. And so I began to think about this. How am I, since you're alive, Lord, how am I alive now? What's different 
in my life and in Christians' lives, now that they've given their lives to Jesus, what's, what's, what are they now alive to that they weren't alive to before they gave their life to Christ? What's, what do I now have access to that I didn't have before? And, and in pretty quick after the, that question of asking, the first two of these four things dropped in my heart in this order. The first one was, and then a few minutes later, maybe a little later, the second two came in, and they're in your notes. But the first one was, we're, we are now alive because he's alive. We're now alive to love. We're now alive to lies. And I went, wait, sometimes I do a little argument with the Lord, like, wait, Lord, I don't want to be alive to lies. What does that mean? You know, and he, he spoke back in my heart. It's we are now alive to having discernment to pick up on the lies that are swirling around us. We have an ability to discern lies, which I'll talk about in a little more. But we're alive to love. We're now alive to lies, to absolute truth. We're alive to third, righteousness. And fourth, we're now alive to heaven. Four things that we're now alive to. I'll talk about those in a minute, but I want us to look Roman numeral two. I want to begin by looking at the picture of the Jesus who is alive right now. I think as it was alluded to before, we tend to picture, Pastor Nate, you shared it, we tend to picture, when we picture Jesus, we tend to picture the, the baby in the manger or the broken man on the cross or the man who went about with his disciples healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching the good news of the kingdom. All beautiful and wonderful pictures. But the picture of Jesus who is alive right now is found in Revelation 1. This is how Jesus appeared after his resurrection and ascension to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. I want us to look at it here. Verse 12, Revelation 1. I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like white, were white like wool, and white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like the fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. So John writes, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. What a glorious picture. That's our Lord and Savior. That's the one who died for us, who paid the penalty for our sin. Thankfully, God, Jesus didn't remain dead. He didn't remain in the tomb. He was resurrected. And he was raised up to the right hand 
of the Father to the throne. Raised up, and it says he received the glory as of the only begotten Son of God. So when I say he's alive, now I'm alive, this is the he's alive. He's the one with the eyes like a flame of fire looking at us. He's the one with his feet like fine brass uh, refined in a furnace. He's the one with his voice like the sound of many waters. What's that like? I guess it would be like standing next to a raging waterfall. This is who he is. You know, this little this picture doesn't do it justice at all. I just put something as a little hors d'oeuvre to get us to think about. What is that? What did John see? In fact, this morning I was just listening to the prayer room and they were singing, what do the angels see that makes them all fall down? What? I just want to know, Lord, what are they seeing that makes them just go, ah, oh, that makes them cry holy? His countenance, it says, was like the sun shining in its strength. What a glorious, a glorious picture. I think it's interesting that this same man, the Apostle John, when he walked the earth with Jesus, he was able to lay his head on Jesus' chest. He, he could come so close to Jesus, but when the power of the resurrected Christ came upon John, he fell as one dead. That shows us the, the measure of the power and the glory and the divine life on the resurrected Christ. So when I think, when I'm in a need, a place of need, he's not eking out a blessing for me from like, well, I've only got a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. He's got this massive reservoir yes. of power and glory and peace and joy and healing and provision and protection and guidance. And so this is who is alive right now. I love it. And I love, I love this. Though John felt so distant because he saw the, the, the holiness and glory of Jesus. He's like, ah, Jesus came toward him and laid his hand on him and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. That tends to be where, where we tend to go. It's like, oh, you're so holy and I'm so this. He's like, no, I'm coming after you. So let that, let that encourage us that we can now draw near because of the blood of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, we can draw near to the Holy One in the fullness of his glory. We can draw near to the one who has eyes like a flame of fire. And I've wondered about that. I've thought about that. What does that mean, your eyes are like a flame of fire? Well, I believe primarily it's his fiery love for you. When he looks at you, he's like, ah. Oh. Which leads me to the, the things that the Lord put on my heart in, the, in this order. Because he's alive, we are alive to that fiery love that's in his eyes for us. That's not just a cute little thing. That it, oh, it's church, we talk about God's love. No, guys, I live off of the encounters with his fiery love for me. I mean, it's my air hose when everything around me wants to like choke things off, I'm like, <coughs> oh, how, tell me how you feel about me, Lord. Because I'm so weak, I'm broken, got this and that. We, are, we have access 
to the divine love of God. One of the first descriptions of the resurrected Jesus in Revelation 1.5 is to him who loved us and washed us in his blood. He loved us. That's what made him go over to John and put his hand on his shoulder. I'm alive. I'm, I, I'm able to experience. It's, it's so energizing when we're able to just get little glimpses of how, of his delight toward us, of his desire in a holy way toward us. That just, that, that is so life-giving to me because there's a world I live in where the world system, my own flesh and the devil, they love to team up and tell me I'm not very good. And they love to team up and tell me God really doesn't care that much about you. You know, I, someone said this years ago, and I, I love this. It came in my spirit this week. They said, Jesus, they, they asked to Jesus, how much do you love me? And Jesus said, this much. And then he died. Let these kinds of revelations of how much he loves set in. And someone, it had obviously been around because I looked it up on Google, and it's, I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And he said that much. See, we have so many lies coming at us. Let's keep, like you pray, let's renew our minds to that we are alive to this love, the love of the, love of the Lord. Ephesians 3.18 talks about taking full advantage of the access we have to his love. You know, you can have, you can have the whole access to the whole banqueting table and just take a little sample of one. You know, I never fully understood, you know, Baskin-Robbins was 31 flavors, and someone who came in and ordered vanilla, I'm sorry if that's what you ordered, and I'm like, what? You've got baseball nut, and you've got dark, whatever chocolate, mint chocolate chip, and, you know, my mom would take us to Baskin-Robbins if we had no cavities after our dental. I've got memory, sorry, I got transported to ice cream. It says, may you have the power to understand. New Living Translation. Take access of this alive to love. May you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. I want to experience that, but it takes kind of a pressing in. Paragraph B under uh, Roman numeral 2 it is. Where am I? Anyway. You get there. Here's the prayer. Um, Paragraph B. Sadly, those who are outside of Christ, those who haven't said yes to Jesus, they don't know this kind of love. Back in the 70s, one of my favorite, I always loved music. So when when I'm, you know, nine years old, it was a group called the Carpenters, Richard and Karen Carpenter. And they wrote a song that was so beautiful. I know I'm old. I know this is 70s. Bear with me. I can be, try to be current too, but anyway. They wrote this song called Goodbye to Love. And it says, I'll say goodbye to love. This is someone who doesn't know the Lord. They don't have access. They're not alive to his love. I'll say goodbye to love. No one ever cared if I should live or die. Time and time again, the chance for love has passed me by. And all I know of love is how to live without it. 
I just can't seem to find it. So I've made up my mind I must live my life alone. And though it's not the easy way, I guess I've always known, I'd say goodbye to love. I want to tell you, if you know Jesus Christ, you never have to say goodbye to love. You never have to say goodbye to love. There is a love. If you know the Lord, there's a love. The, the love of Jesus is knocking at the door of everybody. But as you know him, he's knocking at your door every morning in the middle of a difficult time, in the middle of, of a painful loss, in the middle of a great victory. He's knocking at your door. We never have to say that. Those words are the words, the, 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 the writers at that time, I don't know their personal lives, but they were clearly struggling for hope. They were struggling to experience that deep longing for love. The God of perfect love is coming after us. He's reaching out to us. I wanted to say that. I know I spent a good bit of time on it, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's the first and great commandment, right? So we're alive to it. Let's take full access. Here's a prayer that I pray. I can't tell you how many thousands of times I've prayed it over the last 10 years. But I pray, Lord, would you escort, would you direct my heart into the love of God? Direct my heart. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. It's actually a prayer that Paul prayed, and it's in the Bible, and it's for the Thessalonian church. So it's called an apostolic prayer. But it's something that, so it's, it's clearly a prayer that God would have us to pray regularly. Lord, would you direct my heart? It's like, it's like, take the steering wheel of my heart and push the accelerator and direct my heart into your perfect love. Steer me into your love because it takes God to love God. And I find we'll experience a lot more love the more we ask to be directed into his love, to be escorted into his love. This is the kind of love, First, it's not in your notes, but... I just want to read this, these few verses from the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, in the Phillips translation. And as I read it, just kind of let it sink in certain parts that may be something that God wants to help you with. Because I'm, I'm the first one to raise my hand today and say, I'm not loving right in certain ways and areas. So Lord, would you help me in this way, to love this way? It describes the kind of love our hearts can be directed into when we pray. Love is slow to lose patience. It looks for a way of being constructive rather than destructive. It is not possessive. It is neither anxious to impress, nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. Love has good manners and does not pursue selfish advantage. It is not touchy, it does not keep account of evil or gloat over the wickedness of other people. On the contrary, it is, it is glad with all good men when truth prevails. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. That's 1 Corinthians 13 from the Phillips translation. Second, 
thing that we're now alive to, reality, really spiritual reality. We're alive to love. We're also now alive to lies, the lies that are swirling around. How many of you know there's an increase of deception going on in our world? I mean, it's just like waves of lies. And so we now have access to, when I say alive to, we now have access to discernment, to spot the counterfeit, to spot the lies so that we, first of all, don't believe them ourselves. Second, so we can pray against them. Third, so we can warn others about them. So we, he escorts us into absolute truth. We have the ability to know the truth. John 8, says Satan is a what? And the father of lies. So if you don't want to be in deception, don't hang around with Satan's kids. Because lies are his kids. He's the father of lies. So how much access do we give ourselves to lies in the name of being entertained or this or that? I'll stop meddling right now, but that's uh, just saying, yeah. <laughs> He's a liar. John 8, 44, the father of lies. John 14, 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when you know Jesus, you know the person who is the absolute truth. So the closer you get to Jesus, the more of the truth starts to fill you and lead you. He can give us, as believers, he can give us gifts of discernment. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the spiritual gift of discernings of spirits. And then in Hebrew, um, the book of Hebrews, I'm not sure where the verse is. Five, four, thank you. Thank you for looking at the notes. It says, we by reason of... Ex- is, are people cold in here? It feels a little... It feels great. All right. Is anybody lukewarm in here? Trick question. Well, I'm a little bit... I know I don't have as many layers of insulation as I have before, so I'm a, I'm a little cold. Anyway... Yeah, my wife said I looked like an Easter egg this morning, and um, I, I, she called me a skinny Easter egg. I'm like, I'm not used to hearing that. We, we have a lot of bright shirts out there today. We actually took a picture of some, some bright shirts. Um, there's one right there. Doing the... So we have, we, we have this access to Hebrews 5.4 says, having our senses trained by reason of use. We have the ability to discern good from evil. Not so we can go, I know that's evil, but so we can do something about it. We are, because he's alive, now I'm alive to be able to spot the lies and walk in the truth. Wanted to give you three lies that are so prominent right now. They're in your notes. These are three lies that are hugely being noised abroad that uh, you probably already know in your spirit's not true, but here they are. Judge people, this is a lie, judge people by the color of their skin, not the content of their character. Martin Luther King Jr. had his famous speech, I Have a Dream speech in the 60s, and he said, I have a dream that men will be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. 
And that, that dream still has a long way to go in our country. And it's so counter-biblical. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. The closer we get to God, we'll see people the way God sees them. Don't ever apologize for the color of skin God gave you. He's this master, this master artist, and he, he, how he made you is beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So, you know, let's just slap that lie right in the face. All right. B, I w- here's the next lie. I was born with the wrong gender. The God who made you made a mistake. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 6, Have you not read that, that, that he who is from the beginning made them male and female? So he's quoting Genesis. And I can't even believe I'm having to like say this in 2021. But he made people man and woman, male and female. And I'm just telling you, to tell an eight-year-old you may not be the gender you were born with is child abuse. I'm sorry I'm not doing a a fluffy Easter message. (laughs) Actually, I'm not sorry. Because these are not fluffy times. These are times for the church to rise up. Oh, it's Easter. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, we don't want to get involved. Telling an eight-year-old, you may not be the way God may. It's an insult to God, and it's child abuse. Third one, having open borders is compassionate. It's child abuse. In so many ways. There's other reasons, but did anyone see the video this week of dropping the three-year-old and the five-year-old off of over the 14-foot wall? <laughs> so we have to, and, and again, I quoted verses for those first two. There's a verse, Acts 17, 26, says, God establishes the borders of nations and homes. And so when people try to shift borders, that's how wars occur. You know, I mean, Iraq wanted to go into Kuwait, and they tried to shift a border. A war occurred. So, so it's Acts 17, 26. God's, the truth is, God is the one who establishes those things. So I say all that because the church that's alive is alive to these lies and courageously tells the truth and prays for the lies to be exposed and defeated with the truth in love. Amen. All right, I won't camp out any longer on that, but the the fluff is gone from them. Third, the third thing we're alive to now, the third truth, we're alive to love, we're alive to lies, and we have the ability to discern truth. The third thing is we are alive to righteousness now. This is so awesome. We have been given access to the divine power to overcome sin and temptation. Not be perfect, because we'll still get tempted. But we have been given access to divine power to overcome sin. Romans 8.11 is a resurrection verse. Resurrection Sunday. Here it is. But if the Spirit who raised, him, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. How many of you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you right now? Said yes. Yeah. Well, 
So there's not an if there. This because the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He will also give life or quicken or empower your mortal bodies to resist sin, basically. To re- the power, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He will quicken you, strengthen you to resist sin. You submit to God, Scripture says, then you are able to resist sin, and the devil will flee from you. Romans 6.11 says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Now, that's not Beverly Hillbillies. It's not reckon. I reckon my... I reckon. Reckon I... No, it's an accounting term, actually. It means balance the books in your mind. Settle it in your mind that you are now dead to sin, but alive to God. That, when you see the word dead in the New Testament, it means to be separated from. So like when, you, when there's a physical death, your, your soul is separated from your body. Okay, so dead to, to sin is what Romans 6.11 says. Now when it says sin there... Uh, yeah, it's over to that right side. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. It's talking about you are now separated, please hear this, from the mandatory enslaving power of sin. Now, sin and temptation can't just come over you and where you just feel helpless against it. You're now separated from that. So I, I found a little prop here. So pretend this is a door, okay? And there's now, now that you're in Christ, you're alive. He's alive now. You're alive. You're alive to his power to to be quickened, to resist temptation. You're separated from the enslaving power. I'll try to, I guess I'll be in front here. So you've got this door of separation, and temptation comes to knock at your door. Okay? All right? He comes and tempts you, but now there's a door between you and that sin. And here's the thing. There's no handle on the devil's side. He can't can't barge in on you like uh, old 70s Flip Wilson. Can you put Flip Wilson up there? The devil made me do it. All right? Now, who remembers this? I just need to know... How old? All right. Everybody else, love your elders, okay? So he comes and knocks. Just like God's love comes knocking, the enemy comes knocking. All right? And here's how he knocks a lot of times now. Through this. Watch this. Listen to this. Get involved in this unsanctioned, unholy conversation. I just broke my phone. <laughs> yeah, she just clapped that my phone broke. Amen. <laughs> but the door is on your side. So you now and I now are dead to sin, but we're alive. We have access to the quickening power of God to say no to that thing, to not open the door. And when you do open, say, Lord, forgive me. Just push delete 
and start again. Right then. Thank you. Thank you. So we're alive to love. We're alive to the truth and to exposing lies. And we're alive to righteousness. There's no more door uh, that on his side so that we can walk in victory. Fourth, we're alive to heaven. We're alive to heaven. We're alive to the reality because he's alive. I am now alive to heaven. Any religion that does not give a satisfactory answer to death cannot meet the deepest needs of humanity. Because we all want to know what, what happens when I die. And I believe the only religion that does have a satisfactory answer to death is Christianity. And it is because of the reality that the founder of Christianity, Jesus Christ, rose again from the dead. That's why this is Christianity is the only religion that can meet man's deepest needs of love and what happens when we die. Scripture says in 1 Peter 3:18 and 19 and then when you when you link that up with the verse we read that uh, Jesus now has the keys to death in Hades. Uh, it's, it basically says that from the, day, from the moment on Good Friday when Jesus was crucified on the cross, between crucifixion and his resurrection, Jesus went down into hell and he took the keys, the authority of death and Hades. He took the keys away from death and Hades, which I don't have time to go into the study, but death and Hades aren't just concepts in Scripture. I could show you the verses. Death and Hades were actu are actually satanic evil angels that God put in, I mean, that God didn't, but the enemy, the kingdom of darkness, they operate in that kingdom of darkness. And before Jesus went to the cross, they had the keys to the prison. And they, they, the, the souls of everyone who died were locked in this prison in hell. And the two jailers, if you will, were called death and Hades. And so when Jesus came, when his spirit left the cross, he went down and, and I'm just going to act it out. Let's just, say I'm, let's just say I'm death and Hades, okay? And I have my keys and I've got my jail with all this departed saints, like Abraham, Bible says Abraham was justified by faith. But Abraham wasn't going to go to heaven until Jesus died on the cross. Are you with me? Okay. Is it okay to have some theology here? All right. So Abraham was in this prison cell. Death and Hades say, we've got the keys. You're locked up. And, and then they're like, who's this? And it was Jesus. So I'm death in Hades. Pastor Nate, can you stand up? This is Jesus right here. Amen. Wait, I'll be. He's alive. So he, in fact, I see Jesus in you. So, amen. It's not a, it's not a stretch. It's a good picture. Yes. Don't think about me, though. Usually I'm the Holy Spirit. On the other side. You're usually the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm the... No, come on. You hold it together. 
So I'm sitting here. I've got my keys. I've got my jail. I'm like, yeah, y'all are in there. And Jesus is on the cross, and he comes down, and I've got the keys. And it says he takes the keys. Hold them up. Yes. Now that happened 2,000 years ago, or, or a little, little more. So it's so important. It's in your notes. Jesus holds the keys now to death and Hades. Not the devil. Not anyone else. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. It's a visual that, that I hope gets really embedded in us. Because the enemy wants to intimidate us. But it also brings to, to bear this truth that when you come to Christ, he's the one who holds those keys. And so death and Hades are thinking, you know, let's just, anyone here, I'm not going to pick someone else and say, now you're death. But if someone figurative was to stand up and had died, he's like, death and Hades are looking for their keys saying, I want to lock him up and they don't have their keys. Woe is right. Jesus has those keys. Worship team, if y'all can come up. Worship team, thanks. Jesus holds the keys. I am honest today. I still have, I think most people have somewhat of a fear of death, like to a degree. I renew my mind to it. But overall, I am not afraid to die. Because I know this, death is temporary. It's the gateway to a new life. You see, because Jesus holds the keys now, when death becomes your portion, you don't go down, you go up. You don't go down into another world, into the kingdom of darkness. You go up to the very presence of God. There's a verse that says powerfully this, John 5, 24. Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you. Now, whenever Jesus said this, most assuredly, I say to you, it's the most solemn thing he can say. Like what I'm about to say is so solemn. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Now that's the past tense. We not will pass from death to life. We have already, by faith, we have passed from death to life. So we know that when death becomes our portion, I mean, see, I'm not saying you don't physically ever, you don't have physical death. It's just you're not going down, you're going up. John 8, 15, that's, is that stone? Yes. The stone was rolled away. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. I have fun. John 8, 51 and 52, one more verse there. He says, from the lips of Jesus, again, he says, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Next verse, he shall never taste death. That's a promise from the lips of Jesus. It doesn't say we'll never experience physical death, but it says those evil angels of death and Hades have no more claim on us. 
they are cut off by the name and the blood of Jesus. So when that time where our, where our body and our soul separate, we become like Stephen in the Bible. Stephen in the Bible, Acts 7.56, as he was facing martyrdom, he said, I, as he's about to die, he says, I see heavens, the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He didn't see hell. He didn't see jailers. He didn't see a, a prison. He saw heavens opened up and Jesus at the right hand of God, the Son of Man. And then verse 59, as they were stoning him to death, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So he went up and those who know the Lord will also go up. He's alive. For those who've said yes to Jesus, we're alive too. Now I just want to give us as a response, I just want us to let the worship team sing and just let the Lord minister to you for a few moments and we'll just see where the Lord takes us.